When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. I filter through the garbage, the media hype, the lies, and take you directly to the truth. This is my recipe for thought gumbo. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, October 14th, 2020, and this is the Hump Day Morning Edition of the Truth Hurts Program with your host, me, Steve Z. We've got a lot to talk about today, and a lot of today's conversation will focus around the Senate Judiciary Committee's nomination hearings for Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Yes, they didn't give her as hard a time as they gave Brett Kavanaugh yesterday, but they got their digs in one way or the other. It's funny how the anti-Christian, anti-Catholic left, the Democrats, the atheists, the Muslim supporters, love to find subtle ways to dig into someone's Christian faith. And it's a damn shame. But Judge Barrett was very forthcoming, cordial, polite, professional. Any other nice, wonderful adjective you can come up with She was the epitome of professionalism and decorum. And she did not talk over any of the senators who grilled her, who questioned her, or even those who praised her. Although there was one senator who, I can't recall his name now, but his hands were shaking so badly, either Parkinson's anger or nerves, I couldn't tell which, and he interrupted her several times, very rudely. And the senator from Hawaii looked like a lost ball in high weeds as she fumbled through her notes. Pages and pages and pages of notes. But I think the highlight of the day was when one of the senators made a comment about referring to notes and asked Judge Barrett to please hold up her notebook. What is it that you are using as references? And Judge Barrett held up an empty, blank paged notebook with nothing written on it at all. So the difference is a woman, Amy Coney Barrett, who knows her stuff, who was citing and quoting legal precedent and case law from memory, as opposed to a group of senators who, through their pages and their assistants and their clerks, had pages and pages of prepared, pre-filed documents to question Judge Barrett, plus all the props and all the gimmicks and everything else that they constantly had to refer to. Yes, some of the Democrat senators were speaking about a specific constituent in their district by first name. For example, when one of the senators said, Judge Barrett, I want to speak to you about Samantha. Yeah, Samantha is a girl in my district, 
And um, she was like shacking up with seven dudes at this party. And uh, she kind of got knocked up. I mean, they're pregnant. And she doesn't want to carry that baby to term. And, and if you're anti-abortion, she might be stuck with some black kid. Oh, wait a minute. You have black kids. Um, she might be stuck with some kids she doesn't want to raise because it would be like, you know, a total inconvenience. How do you feel about that? Uh, what would you say to, um, wait, what's her name again? Um, Samantha. Come on, give me a break. The senators had pages and pages of binders of information regarding their so-called constituent that is concerned about Obamacare or Roe v. Wade or some other issue. They did not have any genuineness in their voice at all. I guess the Democrat senators know that it is a foregone conclusion that Judge Amy Coney Barrett will become Justice Amy Coney Barrett because the full Senate will vote on her. And since the full Senate is Republican, and since Miss Barrett has no real controversy in her past, no real issue for the Democrats to bitch about, this is more of a dog and pony show than it is an honest effort to do to her what they tried to do to Kavanaugh. But that did not stop the mainstream media from claiming victory, claiming that she was put on the spot all day long. In fact, Reuters pool unit, the pool of reporters who all get together and say, hey, let's come up with a plan to, to say something bad about a Republican. I got an idea. Let's talk about the time one of them ate a hamburger. No, 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 no. Let's talk about the time one of them drove a diesel truck. Anyway, the Reuters Washington Bureau reported in their headline story this morning, Supreme Court confirmation hearing doubles as a campaign stop for embattled Republicans. Embattled Senate Republicans took advantage of the spotlight at Tuesday's confirmation hearing for President Donald Trump's third Supreme Court nominee to tout election concerns like health care, police, and even fundraising as they fight to keep their seats. Stop. The Democrats did exactly the same thing in using the confirmation hearing as a platform to push their radical leftist agendas on the people. I'll continue. Republican control of the Senate, where the party holds a 53-47 majority, according to Reuters, is in jeopardy in the November 3rd election, with 10 incumbent Republicans in races that are rated competitive compared with just two Democrats. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham in a tight battle for his own seat as he seeks a fourth Senate term, discussed his opponent's record-smashing fundraising haul and health care spending in South Carolina as he opened questioning of Judge Barrett. Senator Tom Tillis, who is trailing in his race, according to polls of North Carolina voters, as if we can actually believe a poll, he addressed what he described as rampant violence against police in his own recent positive COVID-19 test as he questioned Barrett. What do you mean? He described violent protests against police as rampant. They are rampant. It also addresses a few other senators that are Republicans that are in tight races. But all in all, they want to they want to make you feel as if 
every Senate Republican is in danger and that the Democrats are going to take over the Senate, but that the Republicans used the hearing to push their own agendas when it is exactly what the Democrats were doing during the confirmation hearing. All in all, though, I think it's been pretty good, and the judge herself is very well composed. She's answering the questions she can answer, and those she cannot answer, based on decades of precedent set forth by former justices, like the now-dead Ruth Bader Ginsburg, well, she's doing what she's supposed to do. And I will welcome her to the bench as soon as she is confirmed. This is the Truth Hurts Program. We'll be right back. Oh, lovers of country music, I like doing parody songs, and I haven't done one in quite some time, so please forgive me if the quality of this one is a little bit low. Give credit to Josh Turner, the song Your Man. I've twisted it up a little bit to make it a COVID lockdown song. I hope you enjoy it. It's about three minutes and 30 seconds. Take a listen. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Maybe lock the door and pull your mask down low. Dr. Fauci on the show He said you ain't got no place to go You need to understand We've been quarantined here all year long Being cooped up really feels so wrong I can't believe how much it pisses me off Just to be locked down There's no hurry, you must be worried that you might die. Don't come closer, get six feet over, it's what they have in mind. Maybe lock the door and pull your mask down low, and sanitize your hands now nice and slow. Baby, we ain't got no place to go. You need to understand We've been locked down here for far too long And you know this crap must just be wrong I can't believe how much it pisses me off Just to be locked down I'm Dr. Anthony Fauci Don't wear a mask There's no need for you to wear a mask unless you're sick or unless you're a healthcare professional. I'm Dr. Fauci. Everyone needs to wear a mask, starting now. Ain't nobody ever locked down a country the way that they've done you. We're alone now. You don't know how long I've wanted to. Take off my mask and not wear it no more And throw that sanitizer on the floor But we still ain't got no place to go Cause it's the law of the land And 
I've been bitching about this all year long Never felt a feeling quite this wrong I can't believe how much it pisses me off Just to be locked down I can't believe how much it pisses me off Just to be locked down that's right, folks, they're going to lock it down till after the election, and then magically, you won't need to wear a mask anymore. You'll get to go to football games and church and all that other good stuff. If the Democrats win, the truth hurts. Sorry, folks, sometimes I just can't resist. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. More meat and potatoes than a Hungry Man TV dinner. Steve C. is dishing it out for you. Hot off the presses. When Democrats and those on the left want you to believe something, they look straight into the camera and lie to you and say something ignorant like, the science has proven it, or history has proven it. And usually they're dead wrong, especially in matters of health, where they've lied to you now for almost a year, claiming that there is scientific consensus that wearing a mask will help you or there is scientific consensus that social distancing will help you or there is scientific consensus that there is no immunity the world health organization is the scientific preeminent recognized authority right that's what they've been telling us for a year. Listen to the World Health Organization. Listen to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Listen to the science. Listen to the experts. Those scientists, those experts have flip-flopped more than Jimmy Buffett's shoes on a pop-top covered beach in Florida. And that's fact. First, they told you, don't wear a mask. There's no need for you to wear a mask. The only people that should be wearing masks are healthcare professionals and those people who have the Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019, better known as the Kung Fu Wuhan flu. Then, after masks became more readily available and perhaps some of those folks invested in mask making companies, who knows? All of a sudden, everybody's got to wear a mask. Wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. They also told you to lock it down. Everybody needs to stay the hell away from each other. And now the World Health Organization is saying that lockdowns will likely cause seven times more trouble than the lockdowns would have prevented. Hmm. You see, it's all dependent upon their monetary stake and their reputation, which is falling by the moment. White House officials say the administration is warming up to a controversial herd immunity strategy advocated in a document called the Great Barrington Declaration. Now, I've been mentioning herd immunity since the beginning. I remember when I was a young child and one child in the class got chicken pox. The parents of all the other children were like, go ahead and hang around little Tommy. We'll get these chicken pox over with. And everybody got the chicken pox and everyone was fine. It was that one strange kid 
the child born to what I call older parents, parents in their mid to late 40s who finally decided to have a kid. Those are usually the freaks, the weirdos. Usually, not always. That's the child whose parents said, we can't let little Johnny get the chicken pox. Oh Lord, we're older parents and if he brings it home to us, we could die. And that kid ended up not getting the chicken pox until much later in high school and it was painful as hell for him. Anyway, the White House is warming up to a controversial herd immunity strategy that was advocated in the Great Barrington Declaration. Under the strategy, those not particularly vulnerable to serious infections are encouraged and allowed to live normal lives while the vulnerable are shielded. Kind of makes sense, right? Let folks in good health continue on with their lives, their economies, their social interactions, and keep those vulnerable people away. It's just like someone who is susceptible, for example, to infections, like a burn victim with open burns. Those people need to be kept away from anyone else who might be able to spread germs to them. Why? Because they're extremely vulnerable to infection. The rest of the world can go about its business, but those most vulnerable, the elderly, the infirm, people with underlying major health issues, immunodisorders, HIV, AIDS, and other immune deficiency issues, those people should be locked down, locked away. The rest of the world needs to continue operating. And as it does, and little Johnny gets a little case of the COVID with no symptoms or very mild symptoms, you know, like the common cold, and he spreads it to little Susie, and little Susie spreads it to Connie, and Connie to Shaniqua, and Shaniqua to Fong, and Fong to Twee, and Twee to Roger, and Roger to Mark, and Mark to Marianne, and Marianne to Debbie, and Debbie to Billy, and Billy to Bob, and Bob to Margaret, and Margaret to Susie. Everyone develops a herd, H-E-R-D, like a herd of calves, herd immunity. Now, the document, the Great Barrington Declaration, is widely criticized by some scientists and has been emphatically rejected by the World Health Organization, the UK government, and Dr. Anthony Fauci. The White House is embracing the controversial herd immunity strategy in response to the Wuhan China novel Coronavirus 2019, according to a brief given by an anonymous senior official. The strategy would allow the virus to spread freely with the belief that most of the population would develop a degree of immunity, just like they do with the cold, just like they do with many viruses. You become immune after your body experiences the disease and develops antibodies in your bloodstream and that would mean you become immune. Two administration officials who were not authorized to give their names gave the briefing to media organizations. They cited the controversial document, the Great Barrington Declaration, which was drawn up last week by several medical 
professionals and experts from Oxford University, Stanford University, and Harvard University. It's been signed by scientists and health experts across the world, but it has also drawn widespread criticism from some public health officials, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is supposedly the top infectious disease expert on the White House Coronavirus Task Force, and he takes an opposite view of the virus, urging drastic action to limit its spread. Dr. Fauci wants you to lock down. Dr. Fauci wants you to stay home. Dr. Fauci wants you to live in a bubble. The director of the World Health Organization said Tuesday that the herd immunity approach is scientifically and ethically problematic. Now remember, this is the World Health Organization who told us weeks and weeks back to lock everything down, shut down the world, shut down the economy. And then last week, they came out and said, no, that's probably a bad idea. Don't lock it down. Don't shut down the world. So they have no idea. They don't. They don't have a damn clue. And you know why? Because this was a novel coronavirus outbreak. Novel meaning new. Novel meaning never before seen. Not novel meaning Moby Dick or Pride and Prejudice. Novel meaning something that has not happened before. So they're playing a guessing game with the economy and with people's lives. Sky News in the UK broadcasted last week that some of the signatories on the document, which is open, allowing anyone to sign it in support, had used fake names, including one person named Dr. Johnny Bananas and another one who signed it saying his name was Dr. Person Fake Name. The declaration argues that most restrictions meant to limit the virus's spread are having a devastating impact on public health and should be immediately lifted for all but the most vulnerable, which kind of makes sense. If little Johnny's in perfect health, and he's got a little COVID in his system, but he's not experiencing any symptoms, and he goes to the playground and plays with little Mark, and little Mark gets a little COVID in his system, but shows no symptoms, the only person who should be hidden away is little Johnny's grandmother or little Mark's grandfather because they are in the vulnerable population. Forcing little Johnny to stay in his bedroom does nothing to promote immunity through the entire community. Since its release last Thursday, the declaration has been criticized in an open letter by other experts. I wish I could sign on to that open letter. I would sign it as Dr. Luca Deesnuts. <laughs> Only because I'm childish like that sometimes. They noted that shielding the vulnerable has proven difficult and much higher proportions of the population than the elderly are actually at risk of long-term complications of the Kung Fu Wuhan flu. Christine Pagel, the director of University College London's Clinical Operation Research Unit, noted on Twitter that the herd immunity approach was rejected by most of the world's 
top public health bodies. She said those advocating it were breaking with scientific consensus. Now you see, that is an ignorant statement. Scientific consensus would mean that every single solitary scientist agrees. The very proof that there are other scientific experts in their fields who disagree proves that she is a moron and that Christina Pagel indeed does not even understand the concept of the phrase scientific consensus. Now, President Donald Trump has been accused throughout this entire pandemic of ignoring the advice of scientists and public health officials and for pushing the U.S. economy to rapidly reopen, and he's hosted packed campaign events and offered limited support for public health measures. That's according to this article, which is a crock of crap. Number one, Donald Trump has followed the science, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, in his interview with Mark Levin, which was aired on Fox News Channel, proves that Dr. Fauci and Donald Trump and the White House Coronavirus Task Force, headed by Vice President Mike Pence, have been following the science for the most part. In addition, his pushing for the U.S. economy to rapidly reopen is the smartest thing any leader could do because shutting down the economy is making it so that the poor, the underserved, the underprivileged can go to their damn jobs and be able to afford to go to the doctor. Keeping everyone cooped up in a box does not help to develop and foster immunity to this virus, which has a 99.967% survival rate. If we treated drunk driving in the same manner that we're treating the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019, you would be restricted from driving your car on the highway. You and I and everyone else, no automobiles or trucks would be allowed on the highway if we treated drunk driving like we treat the Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019. What do you mean, Steve? I don't understand. If we treated drunk drivers as a disease of our entire nation, like we're treating the Wuhan China coronavirus of 2019 as a disease of our entire country, and 99.967 people out of every 100 people on the roads survived being hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour, we would have to stop all travel on the nation's roadways. Because out of 330 million people who drive drunk, we're, remember, we're considering the Wuhan virus has affected everyone in America or will affect everyone in America. And there are 330 million Americans, right? So let's presume that there are 330 million drivers and therefore 330 million drunk drivers. 
we're going to presume everyone that is driving is drunk. And in a head-on collision, every one of those drunk drivers gets in because they will, because they're driving drunk, 329,891 will survive with little or no lasting effects. In other words, 108,900 people will die in a drunk driving accident. Therefore, we must shut down all travel on all roads in all vehicles in the nation. That's what would happen if we treated drunk driving like we're treating the Kung flu. Let's look at another example, shall we? Let's presume that every single person in America, 330 million people, all smoke. They all smoke cigarettes. And we know that cigarettes kill a certain number of people each year. Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, you know, the experts, the scientists, 480,000 people die each year in the United States of America from cigarettes. But Steve, maybe they died from something else. No, 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 no. We're just talking about those, according to the CDC's figures, who have died from smoking cigarettes. They claim that 41,000 of those 480 die from secondhand smoke. But let's just go with the main 480,000 people who die in the United States every year. That is four times the number who have died of COVID-19 related illnesses, but let's use this number. So let's say that tomorrow we apply the same ignorant mentality towards cigarette smoking that we apply towards the Kung flu. Since we know people do smoke, let's shut down the entire nation tomorrow, put everyone in a plastic bubble because someone might smoke and someone might die. Now, let's consider that everyone smokes. If you're using the same basic numbers as the Wuhan China virus, every one of the Americans is presumed to be a smoker or a recipient of secondhand smoke, right? So let's lock down the entire country because someone decided to be Joe Cool or Joe Camel and smoke a cigarette so let's shut down the whole economy, shut down the whole nation. After all, people die from cigarette smoke. But Steve, you're being silly. No, 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 not at all. Everyone has a heart. Everyone who is alive today has a beating heart in their chest. If it's not beating, you're dead. You're dead. There were approximately one and a half million heart attacks and strokes that occurred last year in the U.S. More than 800,000 people died from cardiovascular disease last year. That's one in every three deaths. And guess what? About 160,000 of those occur in people under the age of 65. So we all have a heart. Everybody's got a heart. Therefore, everyone might have a heart attack. So let's shut down the nation, shut down the economy. That way we can prevent a heart attack. You see the idiocy, the stupidity, the inaneness, the insanity involved in this entire process of locking down our nation? 
it makes no sense when 99.967% of people who contract the Kung flu survive. That's 0.0033% of the country who die from this disease. And those figures alone prove that the coronavirus, the Wuhan China flu, is far less deadly than the yearly flu is in the United States of America. Now, I know that math and numbers do not translate well over audio media, but here's an information piece that I think you might be interested to hear. The death rate from the seasonal flu, the yearly flu, is typically around 0.1% in the U.S., according to the CDC and other scientists. 0.1 is a much higher percentage than 0.0033. Wouldn't you agree? 0.0033 is far lower than 0.1 in any scale, any scale that you look at. And yet, we have locked down our nation for this one-time COVID-19 politically motivated flu from Wuhan province in China and we don't lock down our country every year for the flu. The flu kills hundreds of times more people by percentage than the Kung flu, the Wuhan, China, novel coronavirus 2019. Those are facts. Those are statistical facts from the scientists who track this kind of stuff. Let's look back at 2019 numbers alone. In 2019, the number of people who died from the flu and flu-related illnesses was approximately 62,000 Americans from the flu in a small season in the fall and winter of 2019. And similar numbers for 2018, 2017, 2016, 1990, 1974, you get the idea? The flu comes around every year and it kills tens of thousands of people in America and we don't lock down the nation and the economy. This was all done as a political ploy to hurt the successful presidency of an outsider named Donald Trump. And if you're too blind or too ignorant to understand, appreciate, accept, and realize these facts, then I am very sorry for you. But those are the facts. It is the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. That's going to do it for this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program. We'll catch you a little later on the same podcasting platform. Make it a great day. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. 
I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, and that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. And that's how it works. If you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, you can either turn it off, or you could listen a little longer and maybe learn something. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2020 Steve Knight Productions. All rights reserved. We'll see you next time.